Well, last week we talked about Job's sheepdogs. And today we start with a quote from Job himself. He says, Just ask the animals and they will teach you. Ask the birds of the sky and they will tell you. So this summer we're going to do just that. We are asking what God's critters can teach us. And today we're going to look at the birds of the sky. If somebody called you a bird brain, would you thank them? <laughs> Probably not. I mean, bird brain is an insult. It means you're stupid. I mean, think of how tiny a hummingbird's brain is. It's about the size of a grain of rice. So hummingbirds have to be pretty stupid, right? Well, no, actually, they're pretty smart. Its brain may be tiny, but it's 4.2% of its body weight. And your brain is about 2%, or maybe less, depending on your size. <laughs> if you need proof that a hummingbird is smart, Know that studies have shown that a hummingbird can remember every flower it has visited. I can't even remember where I put my keys five minutes ago. <laughs> Dr. Andrew Iwaniak of Leithbridge University has been studying hummingbirds, and he's found that not only do they remember thousands and thousands of individual flowers, they also remember the nectar content of each flower and how long it takes for that flower to refill with nectar. They even remember who fills the hummingbird feeders at your house and which one of you is the deadbeat who lets your spouse do it. <laughs> They're that smart. But if the tiny brain of a hummingbird is impressive, the brains of crows and ravens is even more so because they can solve complex problems. They've learned to, to drop nuts on the roads for the cars to crack. They've learned how to take turns holding down the button on a drinking fountain so that they can get drinks. And they've even learned how to get a piece of food floating in water in a narrow test tube that's too small to get their head into. Now, if you didn't have hands and the tube was too narrow for you to stick your head into, how would you get the food out? you couldn't knock it over, how would you get that food out of there? Well, let's watch and see how crows have solved the problem. Watch this video. They repeated this experiment over and over again. I don't know if you notice in that, that second one, they had different size weights. They weren't all the same, and he was picking the heaviest ones, the ones that would displace the most water. They're, they're, very, they're very bright. Crows can, can not only solve problems, they can remember a lot of things. Even someone who has done them wrong. 
In another experiment, they trapped crows and they kept them captive for a while and then they released them. And the crows then would squawk and dive bomb their captors, the ones that had done them wrong. Not only that, they went and they taught their crow friends who the bad people were, <clears throat> and their crow friends would come and attack them. And later, after they had children and their, their chicks grew up, they taught them who were the bad guys too, and their chicks would keep it up. It was a generational thing. And talking about their children, research has shown that crows and ravens have the problem-solving ability of a seven-year-old human child. That's pretty impressive for a brain that weighs a third of an ounce. But what makes this bird brain so special is that that tiny brain has as many neurons crammed into it as the brain of a monkey, which is many times larger. It's very dense with neurons. But for all their intelligence, one of the gifts that birds have is that they don't overthink things. They simply trust their creator. We fret and we worry. We run through all the worst case scenarios. We do what is called catastrophizing. You ever heard of that word? Catastrophizing. I've read it described this way. Catastrophizing is a common reaction to uncertain situations where we tend to overestimate the likelihood or consequences of our worst fears. It's very common among young adults because the part of the brain, the free prefrontal cortex, that deals with uncertainties and problem solving is still developing during this time in our lives. Referring to the young adults, but, but let's be honest. There's a lot of us older adults that catastrophize. And children, too, we start dwelling on the worst thing that can happen. The doctor says that, that there's something on the x-ray and immediately you jump to cancer and you're going to die. We do that, catastrophizing. But birds, they have it one up on us. They don't overthink things. In fact, they don't even have a prefrontal cortex in their brain. They just go on trusting in their creator. And that's why Jesus tells us to look at the birds. Matthew 6. I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Jesus says birds live by trust. So look to the birds. In fact, if you look at the birds in the Bible, you'll see over and over again that that same theme appears when birds show up. The theme, don't worry, but trust God. For example, there's a story of Israel's exodus. You remember that with Moses, right? 
People are in slavery. God hears their cry. And then he sends Moses to lead them to freedom, visiting the ten plagues upon the Egyptians until the Pharaoh agrees to let them go. But when the Pharaoh changes his mind and sends the army after them, they think that they're doomed. They catastrophize, thinking the worst. But what, God, what does God do? Parts the Red Sea, right? And they walk across. He saves their lives. And almost as soon as they get to the other side and they are safe, they start complaining. There's nothing to eat out here. We're all going to starve. You might as well just have killed us back in Egypt, God. But in spite of their complaining, God saves them again. This time by providing birds and bread. Exodus 16. <clears throat> the Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight they will eat meat. And in the morning they'll be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. And when the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared in the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they didn't know what it, what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. The quail and the manna become signs not to worry, but to trust in God. God will see you through. Birds appear again in the story of Elijah. This time the birds aren't the food, but they bring the food. Elijah has upset King Ahab by prophesying a, a drought. And Queen Jezebel is killing off all of God's prophets. You might remember them from last week. They're the ones who finally are killed and the dogs eat their remains. But at this time, they are very much alive and well and a mortal threat to Elijah. So God tells him to run away and hide in the Kareth Ravine out in the wilderness where God will take care of him. 1 Kings 17. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan. You'll drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Once again, God uses birds to remind someone to trust in him. And this time, the birds are ravens. In story after story in the Bible, different birds remind us that we are not alone in our troubles, that God is watching over us, that God cares. There are the sparrows in, in Matthew 10, where Jesus says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. There's the dove of Jesus' own baptism, where God's Spirit is visibly present with Christ 
in the form of a bird. Jesus himself uses the image of a bird, a very common bird, a chicken, to emphasize his love and care for the people of Jerusalem. Luke 13, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather you, your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you are not willing. And then there's the eagle. Americans are familiar with this symbol. After the Declaration of Independence was, was signed on July 4th, 1776, the Continental Congress set about designing a great seal, a great symbol of our new nation. And they went through a lot of different ideas. It took them several years, by the way. And some say that Ben Franklin thought the symbol of our country should be the turkey. Um, he did not win. What they finally came up with was a symbol of an eagle. In 1782, Congress approved the seal, a majestic bald eagle holding arrows in one claw and olive branches in the other. It's a symbol of strength and freedom, of power and independence. But in the Bible, the eagle carries a slightly different meaning. Not our power and independence, but God's power and care for us. How many funerals have you been to We've heard somebody sing on eagle's wings. And God will raise you up on eagle's wings, bear you on the breath of dawn, make you to shine like the sun, and hold you in the palm of his hand. The song on eagle's wings is a mashup of Psalm 91, Exodus chapter 19, and Isaiah chapter 40. And in Isaiah, God comforts his people with these words. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary in his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. What a powerful symbol of God's care. Raised up on eagles' wings. We almost lost that symbol in America. I grew up here in Dakota County, and as a child, I can't ever remember seeing a bald eagle. Do you? They just weren't around like they are now. Back in the 60s, there were only 400 pairs of bald eagles in the entire lower 48 states. Turns out the DDT, one of the widely used pesticides back then, was building up in the food chain. And when the eagles would eat the fish and the other animals, it would build up in the eagles' bodies. And it would cause them to lay eggs where the shell was too thin so that when the, the mother eagle sat on the egg, it would just break. And the population collapsed. Rachel Carlson's famous book, Silent Spring, 
brought attention to how these chemicals were hurting the bird population, and eventually our country was wise enough to eliminate DDT, and the eagles began to flourish again. Today, there are more than 10,000 pairs of eagles in Minnesota alone, and you can hardly go down to the river here without seeing an eagle or two or three or a dozen. What a gorgeous sight. And that's great because every eagle is a reminder of how God is there for you. Back in the 90s, I, I lived in a, a river town. It was 120 miles downriver from here. The eagles were starting to make a comeback, but they were still a rare, it was still a rare thrill to see one. And one day a horrible tragedy occurred in our church. The teenage son of close friends of ours was riding to school one morning, and a car came over the hill driving on the wrong side of the road and slammed into these boys' cars head on. Our friend's son was killed instantly. Some of you have experienced such tragedies. You know how devastating it is. You are shaken to the core and you wonder, God, where were you that day? Why did this happen? Or you wonder, where are you now, God? Are you even there? Do you even care? Mostly, you just feel numb and broken. I, knew I know I felt that way, and, and I was just a friend. Josh's parents felt even worse. The funeral was good as those things go. I tried to share a message of hope and, and God's comfort. And the presence of so many friends and family to celebrate his life was very moving. But one of the things that his mother remembered most vividly about those days was coming home and seeing an eagle flying low over their house. It spoke to her in a way that no sermon could of the presence of God and the hope that we have that he will raise us up as on eagle's wings. Eagles are, are more than just a sign of our nation. They are a sign from God of his presence and power and most of all, his care for us. A reminder to trust in the Lord. All birds are really from quails to ravens to sparrows to chickens. So I have a challenge for you this week. And the challenge is to do some bird watching. Whether you are hurting and in grief, whether you are catastrophizing and anxious and thinking the worst, or whether you just need a reminder that you are not alone, that God is with you, and that God cares, just go out and look at the birds. For every flash of a wing, every bright cardinal, every dull wren is a neon sign from God saying, trust me. And every loon's call and every pheasant's cackle and every chirp of a sparrow is a message from God saying, I am with you. If you're wondering whether God cares for you or not, just remember what Job says. Ask the birds of the sky, and they'll tell you. Ask the birds of the sky whether God cares, and they will tell you. So go bird watching this week. 
And if you want to have a little fun, you might uh, download a, a bird ID app onto your phone. One of you this week uh, uh, introduced me to a free app called Merlin. It was developed by Cornell University. Uh, and you can find it in the App Store. Put it on. I don't know if Dan got one on. He, he was so excited when he heard about this morning. He was already looking at it. Um, the great thing about this app is you can use it like a bird book. You know, try to see the bird and then look up pictures. But it has some unique features. One, you can take a picture of the bird and then it'll identify it for you. Or even better, since most of the birds I can't see or ever get a picture of, but I can hear them, you just have it listen. And then it'll tell you all the birds that are in that chorus of, of song in the morning. Even from the, the little chirps. And, and, uh, and it's pretty sophisticated, because I tried to fool it with my bird call imitations. And it did not work. <laughs> but all those things, when you hear all these birds... To be able to just have it tell you, oh, that's a house wren. Oh, that's a purple finch. It's a, a pretty great thing. So I'd encourage you, do something like that and, and go out and just experience birds again. But even if you don't, even if you don't care about identifying them, well, just go out and take a look. Just, to, just watch the birds. Because whether you can identify them or not, they are God's message to you. I am here. I care. Trust me. Oh, and if somebody does call you a bird brain, well, don't get mad. Just thank them. Because birds are a lot smarter than we think. Let's pray. Oh God, we live... We live in a world where... There are problems and there are struggles and, and we dwell so much on the worst that could happen. We catastrophize. So help us to look to the birds of the sky to remember how they don't worry but they trust in you and you care for them down to the smallest sparrow. We know that you care for us. You know our needs. You know our hearts. And you love us. So this week, Lord, uh, may we see in the birds a reminder that we can trust in you, that you are there, and you do care for us. In Jesus' name, amen.